0: another episode of Hockey Talk, ladies and gentlemen. April is a fantastic time to be a hockey fan. NHL playoffs kicked off this week. We're in round two of the OHL playoffs. Deep into the Junior B playoffs, Bob Cole retired.
1: Although that's not such a good thing.
0: Yes, uh, we had uh, the NHL draft lottery uh, just a few days ago, so an awful lot to talk about. And of course, uh, from our Whiteman studios here in Hanover, Ontario, we're glad to talk to you about it all. To my left here, Jamie Bennett bringing you his expert hockey analysis we have our man Adam Oliveira making all the technical stuff work fantastically and uh this week we're uh pleased to have in studio Chet Phillips former uh, Saginaw Spirit and this will cyclone and current star defenseman with the Mount Forest Patriots of the P.G.A.H.L. uh thanks for being here Chet yeah no worries thanks for having me and uh yeah, we're, uh, we're going to go chronologically here because uh, you've obviously had a lot of uh, really cool experiences hockey wise and continuing to happen for you. Uh, as an 18 year old, you still got a lot of hockey ahead of you yet. Um, so you're actually a, a Dundalk guy.
2: Yeah, yeah, from Dundalk. Uh, just live outside of Dundalk, Proton Station actually. But yeah, I played all my minor hockey in Dundalk and I think I left around just minor peewee. Minor Pee Wee to get, uh, hook up with uh, the Gray Bruce Highlanders. Uh,
0: before we get to the Highlanders, uh, what are some of your uh, fondest memories when you look back at your uh,
2: minor days in in Dundalk? Oh, it was great. Um, I loved the arena. Just playing with all my buddies back home. It was it was really nice to to play as long as I did because I know a lot of guys left earlier than that. So no, it was just a really good arena, and uh, it was nice to be you know five minutes from the rink. So. It was really nice that way.
0: That's yeah, yeah, you know, I have a I have a good friend, uh Johnny Barnes, who's also a Dundalk guy and he uh he has a lot of really happy memories <laughs> of his time playing minor hockey in Dundalk too. Uh so from there you uh you ended up with the Great Boots Highlanders. Uh tell us a little bit about your experience there.
2: Yeah, that was awesome too. It was a great group of guys, uh still really tight knit, so we get together a lot in the summers and yeah, I know it's it was really good. Uh we had a lot of success there too. It was it was really good our team, so Yeah, you guys uh made it into
0: uh a play down for the OHL Cup.
2: Yeah, yeah. So we, we uh unfortunately we lost one of our better players, Connor Roberts, that that year. So he went he was off at the youth Olympics there in in uh, Sweden. So yeah, that was a that was a tough bounce for us, but no overall it was uh, really, really great. Um a great team and just great experience overall there with the Highlanders so
0: yeah Connor Roberts actually uh he was a guest on our show uh, last br- uh, last spring uh, now with the Flint Firebirds and a great young guy a little bit snake bitten this year too oh because yeah
2: it's it's horrible he's uh had a couple tough injuries but knowing him he'll he'll bounce right back he's pretty relentless and uh yeah, no, he'll he'll be back in no time.
0: Yeah, I uh, I had the good fortune to uh, I called a couple of radio games for Flint this year, and that team was certainly one uh, by the end of the season. We're starting to put some pieces together, and if you look at the record over the last couple of months, they're starting to put together a lot of wins. And uh, oh,
2: I think so, yeah. And yeah. Uh,
0: I think with their second overall pick they got in the OHL draft this year, and uh, with someone like Connor coming back. I think uh, they're going to be a much more respectable team this next year.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think they're they're definitely on the right track for sure.
0: And uh, for our viewers at home, uh, Connor uh, Owen Sound uh, fella, uh, what I said, snake bitten. Um, he was at the end of last year after he got traded from Hamilton to Flint. He was starting to put his game together, and uh, this preseason he had a four goal game in an exhibition game, and then uh, shortly afterwards, uh, I believe it was a shoulder. Yeah, and uh, he ended up missing the entire season, so that was the reference to being snake bitten there with that injury. So yeah, hopefully he does bounce back next year. Uh, so there, from the Highlanders, uh, your minor midget year, you, I see you had uh, 28 points there in 36 games. So that's pretty good for a defenseman.
2: Yeah, it was, it was a good year, a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, as far as your game developing in that minor midget year with the Highlanders, what what did you see progressing the
2: most for you? Uh, for me, it was, I think it was just overall, like, uh, I was able to kind of do my own thing a lot of the time, and and our coaches kind of played a bit of a loose system, so we were u- allowed to use our creativity a lot. So I'd say that was uh, that was really big in, in helping me and, and the rest of our team actually develop too, so, and, and playing alongside my partner too, Leif McFadden. He was uh, he was more of a stay at home guy, so that kind of let me play a more offensive role. So, no, it was really good.
0: Grab the puck and go. Yeah. So uh, heading into the OHL draft, uh, you're drafted by Saginaw. Uh, did you have an inkling that you were uh, on their radar, or?
2: Yeah, I definitely had a good feeling. Um, the interview process was really good with them, so uh, I knew that they were definitely one of the one of the teams that definitely had uh, an interest in me so how many uh, how many teams did you talk to I th- um i think it was around 12, 12 or 13 teams that i was talking to at the time 12 or 13 yeah and uh just uh last weekend
0: was the ohl uh priority selection draft and uh i noticed uh saginaw took uh a couple of gray bruce players and then mm-hmm. having taken you a few years ago obviously uh they have
2: eyes on on this part of the hockey world up here in Gray Bruce, so. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Just to see that uh, they're getting more recognition, so because I know it's kind of struggled there for a little while, where you know we wouldn't get a ton of scouts just because of the location. But no, it's, it's definitely getting better now, so it's good to see.
0: Yeah, the whole geography thing, because you know, not that long ago, maybe even 10 years ago you would see a smattering of uh, Junior C players taken in the OHL priority Mm -hmm. selection, but that never happens now because everything streams through the AAA because it goes through the big cities, right? They're not sending, uh, unless there's something remarkable going on, they're not sending people out to the Junior C towns to uh, to do the scouting. It's kind of the economics, which is too bad because I think there's a lot of quality players Mm -hmm. that are being uh, left uncovered sometimes. Uh, So they're, on your way up with uh, with Saginaw, you're drafted with them. You also uh, played a bit with the Listowel Cyclones.
2: Yeah, no, that's a unbelievable organization. They're definitely doing things right there, with uh, starting from just the coaching staff, and they got a gorgeous new arena there with a great dressing room now. It's and they seem to be successful pretty well every year. So it's they're definitely doing the right things there.
0: In some ways, I think. Uh, they kind of benefit from that geography too because they're kind of the closest GOJHL yeah. junior B team so they can really draw from the Gray Bruce and uh, that's kind of one of the, the first picks for players uh, heading south to, to find some junior B hockey. Um, how much uh, when you're progressing from the Gray Bruce Highlanders into the GOJHL there, how much did you have to change your style
2: of play? Um, yeah, I, I definitely changed a ton. Uh, that was a huge year um, I went from being on a team where yeah I, I was used to being the the offensive defenseman that our team kind of you know they relied on me for getting points more so than the the defensive end but then going to this duel it was definitely a change because we won the cherry cup that year and we were a really good deep team and uh, so yeah I, I Kind of completely did a 180 and and played a, a really shut down role. So, but which I needed to I needed to learn that too to uh, try and complete my game. So, I'm pretty thankful for that opportunity as well.
0: So, had you had you already gone to camp with Saginaw before you played with uh, Listwol or did the Listowel thing happen first?
2: Um, so I went to camp before uh, with Listowel before I went to Saginaw, the the uh, spring camp there. Cause uh, I just wanted to keep all my options open, right? So I didn't know really what was going to happen. So yeah, I went to this school first, and then I went to Saginaw's camp.
0: And uh, so, again, transition-wise, what was sort of what was your first experience heading into a, an OHL camp with the Saginaw Spirit?
2: Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot different. Um, didn't really know what to expect, so I kind of kept an open mind and just just uh, tried to do my best and everything. So it was uh, a really good experience here. Just uh be around the older guys, especially, I know that they were pretty good on that team uh, to help all of us out. So no, it was uh, definitely a good experience. Now uh,
0: for our uh, audience there too. So we're talking here Saginaw, Saginaw, Michigan. It is Ontario Hockey League, but they do have three teams based out of the States one in Erie, Pennsylvania, one that's now in Flint, Michigan, and of course, Saginaw. So, with you and your family, when you were drafted by Saginaw, did you guys have concerns about playing out of the states? Just, you know, cross the border and need a passport to get there type thing?
2: Uh, To be honest, no. Like, that was never really a a huge concern at all. I was just, at that time, I was just super grateful to to get drafted. So, really, it didn't matter what what team would have picked me. wouldn't have changed anything really. So no, it was, uh, yeah, no, I was super happy to get drafted by Sagnaw, it's a excellent city. So
0: from there, yeah, I know particularly with Flint, they had some mitigating factors, uh, Flint, Michigan, like if, if you look at the facilities for that team, they're oh, fantastic. Yeah. You can go online to the Flint Firebirds uh, website and basically see their locker room, their training facilities, it's unbelievable. The team was bought by a billionaire, uh, but the mitigating factors were he tended to fire coaching staffs if they, you know, didn't play his son enough, and that's kind of a tough situation for son, Hacken, Nielsen, to be in. Uh, So it created a bit of instability, so sometimes people, you know, reportedly were pretty reluctant to report to Flint, so they had to be careful who they drafted and stuff, and... uh, yeah, so it's nice to know that Saginaw is a nice uh, stable. And, and what were the facilities like there?
2: Um, my first year there, it was uh, it was really nice too, a nice dressing room. And but then uh, just last year, actually, they redid everything, and uh, oh, it's it's state of the art what they have now. It's it's incredible, really. They have a full kitchen, full lounge, like theater room for the to do video, and and uh, just everything that they have there. It's just. Really, really high quality, so that was good to see, too, and be a part of.
0: And uh, as far as crowds go in Saginaw, what kind of turnout were you getting?
2: Um, it kind of fluctuated a little bit. Uh, at the beginning of the year, it, would, it wouldn't be so great, but then kind of as the year went on, uh, it would pick up a bit more, and I know now they're selling it out, so it's kind of near the end of the season. They definitely come out more.
1: So the one thing I'd like to ask you, Chet, is you've played at a number of different levels here, uh, everything from the Mount Forest Patriots up to the Saginaw Spirit.
2: What's the number one thing you see as a difference between these leagues? Um, as a difference, it's just definitely uh, speed. So, and not just in like physically skating; it's the speed of uh, passing, decision making. Like you, you don't you don't have any time to make up uh, your mind with the puck. Really, you kind of just. It's on your stick, off your stick um, in the OHL. And then kind of, you know, as you work your way down, you get a little bit more time. Mind you, the Junior B League too, some of the arenas are a lot smaller, so it's a lot more run and gun there too where you don't have a lot of time with it either. So, uh, But yeah, for the most part, it's just uh, the speed of the game. Um, Do you see it getting t- tougher
1: the higher up or further down you go?
2: Um, Yeah, in some ways it is tougher for sure. Like uh, it's as far as uh, maintaining like because you're going every day in the OHL. It's, you know, practicing and especially in my situation, I was uh, trying to get in the lineup every day. So it was uh, it was a tough, a tough road. So, uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was definitely tougher in that aspect. But but everyone works hard in every league. So every night you're trying to win. And uh yeah, so the better team you are, you know the spotlight's kind of on you so so uh, the other team's definitely trying to shut you down.
1: what about from a physicality standpoint like I know we used to see junior C as a little bit more of a tough guy league, whereas an OHL or a junior B was a little bit more of a skilled league. do you see that still represented that way
2: um yeah I, I see a lot of uh, a lot of hitting and a lot of physicality in the the junior C league, but it's a little bit different uh, being in the OHL because you're playing against a lot of guys that do have the size advantage, so uh, I think, yeah, they might not hit as hard, but they're kind of coming at you with, with you know, 200 or 220 pounds of weight that's that uh, hits a lot harder than you might think, so but uh, yeah, the Junior C, it, they hit a lot too, and it's it's more of a, a run-and-gun game as well where yeah, you don't have a lot of Time with the puck, and you really got to keep your head up. So,
0: and that's uh, a lot of people see size that's more apparent. But in basic physics, uh, if you're talking about power and force, right, uh, velocity's the bigger mm-hmm. factor, the bigger variable. And uh, if you're talking about you know faster players in the OHL, they may not. Uh, well, there is quite a few bigger players there too. But if they're skating faster, they're going to be delivering more of a load, yeah, absolutely. more of a hit. Um, now uh, you uh, first broke in with uh, Saginaw in 2016 2017 did you have uh, any one particular
2: welcome to the OHL moment on the ice or in practice or um, yeah well my second game actually was in Guelph and, and uh, I th- yeah I think it might have been my second or third shift in the game and I actually got in a fight with uh, Nick Deacon Poot so <laughs> yeah and, and he's a pretty big boy he's, 6'2", I think, and yeah, over 200, so I didn't really know what to expect there. I kind of had my hands full, so I tried to make it end as quickly as I could and just kind of went to the ice. Yeah, he actually, and I think he got a three-game
0: suspension Yeah, I did. out of that. I think there was a high stick involved before that. Yeah,
2: he gave me a few good uh, cross-checks in the face there.
0: So it was that that was before the fight, or yeah. Uh, so that's why you, you got into it. Yeah, actually, when I was preparing some of the visuals uh, for uh, for this
2: show, I, I yeah, there's a pretty funny picture, isn't there? There's
0: a, yeah, you could find one online where I was like, yeah, I've got to not use that yeah. one. I did think it would be uh, too kind. You grab it all the way to be here, be on our show, and yeah, you know, they do have big Nick, and uh, yeah, yeah you're kind I was of kind uh,
2: trying to, Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's obviously just tagged you with a pretty good one. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I. I thought it'd be kinder to edit that one out and just leave it <laughs> on the but uh so that was your welcome to the OHL yeah. but did you have was that your one and only OHL fight or did you get no, into any other that others? was
2: that was my one and only yeah nice and uh
0: as far as uh gameplay what's uh what do you think's one of your best moments
2: in the OHL in the OHL uh I just tried to do my my own role I knew what my role was and yeah it was uh definitely just a. Uh, Play a sound game and and kind of just break it out nicely. Like, as in that league, if you if you don't make any mistakes, then you're playing a pretty good game. So that's kind of just what I tried to do and limit my mistakes the best that I could. And because we had a pretty pretty good team there too, so give it to the guys that that can score. And that was kind of how I played.
1: Thanks. Who was the best player you either played with or against at the OHL level?
2: Um. I played with uh, Mitchell Stevens a couple games and he was quite a player to play with. Uh uh Keaton Middleton's another one on defense. He's a, a really good player, so and uh Philip Ronick actually playing for the Red Wings. Uh I played with him as well. He was very very good at moving the puck and, and skating as well. He's incredible to play with. Um, playing against, uh yeah, I, I played against um, Sinishin for Sioux, and Sue had a really, really good team that year. They had uh, just up and down the lineup. They were just so deep, so there's a lot of guys on their team.
1: Can you take us through sort of an Andy? I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead here. Um, the Mount Forest Patriots mounted quite a comeback in the finals this year. Can you take us through what changed after game three in that series?
2: yeah i don't know it was uh we knew that we had way way more to offer so we uh we all kind of gave ourselves a a a head shake there and and figured out what was going on and yeah just ever since then we kind of just uh we knew that we had to buckle down and, and bury our chances so no we definitely from that point on we did get better and we started to bury which we had a lot of chances it was just you know the final the Final touch putting it in the net, so but no, we figured it out. So,
0: for context, you're talking about the Wingham series, yes,
2: yeah, against the Wingham
0: Ironman in the Pollock division playoffs. There, um, actually, I was going to pick up on something you said before that as far as players. Uh, I noticed in your first year in Saginaw, um, there's a fellow Ty Feliber, yep, was there. I think he only played six games or so that year, so I don't know how much you guys would have crossed paths. Yeah,
2: no, I didn't, I don't think I actually played a game with Ty, but uh, I knew in and preseason there, yeah, he was uh, yeah, he was a pretty special player.
0: Yeah, did you see? Because uh, this year he was uh, most of the year leading the OHL mm-hmm. in scoring with the powerhouse Ottawa 67s, and uh, he ended up with 109 points.
2: So I was going to say, did you see early on, did you see those glimmers of where he was heading? Yeah, I definitely saw hes he's got some pretty good skills. So, yeah, it's no doubt in my mind that it, that's what he was going to eventually, eventually do.
0: Do Yeah, and certainly your time in list, well, hey, there's... Ton of uh, fantastic players there too, like yeah. Holden Lansink and
2: Oh yeah, Caleb Warren. And yeah, some excellent players just and people too. Like they're really, really nice guys. So I still keep in touch with those guys as much as I can. And nice. and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, were you
0: there at the same time as Brady Anderson too? Yep. And yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, we played a season together my sixteen year old year. So
0: yeah, Chesley uh, Chesley fellow there. I always like to make the local references yep. there too. So but yeah, quite a skilled player himself. And actually, uh, your your Mount Forest team there. There's uh, I was gonna ask you about a couple of guys there too. Uh, Clayton Holger, He's uh, he puts up some pretty big numbers uh, for Junior C.
2: Yeah, he's a excellent player and really really good leader too. He just he knows what to say at the right times. It seems like, you know, whenever we seem to get either too high or too low, he can he can usually say the right things that you know sorts us out. So. Gives, gives you
0: that direction, yeah. yeah. I uh, I didn't realize till just like a week or so ago, uh, he's uh, the older brother of uh, Mitchell Holger. Yeah.
2: Who, yeah. Uh,
0: with uh, Ottawa 67s. Yeah. And is a New Jersey uh, New Jersey Devils draft pick. Yeah, yeah. I
2: played against him there in Elmira, my 16-year-old, or I guess our 16-year-old year. So he he's a, a really good player. Yeah. And with Clayton himself, too, uh, it's
0: kind of interesting. There's a few players that seem to... Uh, experience some other leagues and do well too. Like uh, Jamie Huber, you know, he played G. O. J. and was quite successful, but he played uh, out in BC, uh, Provincial Junior A out in BC. But then uh, he could almost miss it because it was in the playoffs, but he played a little bit of Provincial Junior A in Ontario and did really well with Coburg. And the reason I'm saying that is because I noticed Clayton Holger, he just played three games with uh, uh, Burlington last year but like you have three goals in his three games mm-hmm. so i'm kind of you know always curious as to uh when you're being that successful while well, you know why are you going back to what's perceived to be a different like a lower level of hockey like that but um uh, another guy i wanted to ask you about too uh riley cribben because this year in the playoffs wow man he was lights out
2: yeah he's uh he's pretty good with the puck that guy he can uh he can do some things that, yeah, other players can't do. So it's it's fun watching him. So I'm, I'm really glad he came back this year and, and helped us out.
0: Yeah. Is he back next year with uh, Mount Forrester? Um,
2: I believe so. I think, so. yeah, Maybe I think yeah. that's what his intentions are.
0: Yeah, 30 points in 16 playoff games.
2: Yeah, it's pretty that's incredible.
0: Um, something I noticed interesting with him, too, is because so he started the year at a small school out in Alberta, yep. Briarcrest College. But if I'm not mistaken... Uh, kind of a a connection there is we had a remarkable player go through the Pollock division junior C called Aaron Armstrong who uh, basically he lit it up when he got to Canadian University at this point Canadian University is about 90% former OHL or CHL players and he managed to make the jump as a junior C player all the way to Canadian University and then he led the Ontario Mm -hmm. League in scoring and uh, just played this past year for McGill after being at Ryerson for three years. All of this I'm saying, uh, Aaron Armstrong, uh, before he sort of really blossomed and took off with huge numbers, he, he had a brief st- stint at that small college out in Alberta too. Mm-hmm. So there must be something magic in the water out there yeah, where there uh, these guys come back and uh, have some magic in their sticks. Yeah. Um, now, so are you keeping, you started the year actually uh, with Saginaw, you didn't play any games with them, but you were on the roster at the beginning of the year? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah I, I went down for preseason and yeah, it was, uh, I made a, a kind of a family decision that I would come back and and kind of play locally, so.
0: Yeah, so was that along the vein of just sort of putting the fun back into
2: the game kind of thing? Um, There's a lot of things that uh, that led up to that decision, so. But yeah, that was definitely one of them. Kind of just uh, taking a step back and and uh, looking at you know hockey as a game and, again. So no, it was uh, it was a good decision that I I'm happy that I've made. So and and when you were making that decision, because at the time there was a few people who were like,
0: "Holy cow!" Like they just assumed you would fi- like play in the GOJHL. Mm-hmm. So as far as that decision to go right from the OHL to Junior C, uh, was that I, I was assuming it was because uh, Mount Forest is geographically pretty much the closest town yeah. to your hometown of Dundalk. Was that a big factor
2: in that? Um, yeah, it was. It was definitely huge. Uh, I just, I knew that, uh, you know, I wanted to stay really close to home and, and uh, yeah, Mount Forest was a great option for me. It, it was, it's right there. You know, it's a, it's a lighter schedule, not as many games or practices. So, no, it was definitely my... Uh, my first choice to come back to and
0: I, I'm sure they were absolutely delighted too. <laughs> were, were they surprised did they have an inkling that you were heading back there or was it a total surprise no
2: I think it was a uh, kind of a surprise because yeah even myself uh, you know I kind of nobody else knew about kind of what where my mind was at until I told my parents kind of the, the week after training camp so yeah no I think it kind of came to a surprise to everyone so you've done a lot of winning at a lot of different levels.
1: Where do you see hockey your role in hockey in the future?
2: In the future just uh kind of continuing on what I'm doing right now just uh I think kind of my biggest attribute attribute is uh uh limit, limiting you know the giveaways and and uh you know trying to keep uh control of the puck just I kind of think, you know, it's so hard to get the puck back once once you give it away. So if uh, if your team can keep control of the puck and and have it the, the opportunities just present themselves like crazy. So yeah, definitely just kind of, you know, giving the good out that passes and, you know, continuing on that ways I think is how I'm going to try and continue.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh I was asking you this earlier off air, but uh, how much are you still uh, following uh, Saginaw, especially since this year? They flew under the radar as a strong team all year, but now I think people are starting to realize how much of a powerhouse they are. Swamped the Sioux Greyhounds. 10-1 the other day. So how how much are you still following the, the, the OHL action right now?
2: Yeah, no, I still follow Saginaw a lot. They uh, They're a great team, like, they picked up some really key guys. So, no, I think that they got what it takes to go the distance this year. So, no, I'm I'm rooting for them. Um, like I said, every experience that I've had with them was very positive. So, yeah, no, I I try and keep uh, tabs on them as much as I can.
0: Yeah, and certainly, like uh, Cole Perfetti had a great year there. Yeah, he did. All through there. Uh, I believe he led the OHL in rookie scoring. Yep. And uh, Ivan uh,
2: Pravitov, uh what what's your what can you tell us about ivan oh yeah he's uh pretty tremendous he's quite a character it looks like in that he uh he kind of comes out with these uh these performances after his wins sometimes that are you know pretty pretty creative for sure so no but he's he's uh he's the real deal yeah he's a good goalie so did you ever witness ivan doing the the
0: cartwheels yeah i've
2: seen it yeah it's uh it's something to see for sure it's it's uh it's pretty creative, and you know what? He gets the fans into it, so yeah, I'm I'm all for it. All for it. Like, but did the coaches ever go bananas or anything after he did that? Like? I don't. I don't think so. I think no. they kind of let him do his own thing when he when he has nights like he does, where, you know, he's making forty saves in a night. It's let him do his thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was laughing, saying that you know, if it was fifteen years ago with the heavy leather goal pads, <laughs> he'd probably break his neck trying to do a court, yeah. cartwheel on the ice like that. But that you're right. That sure is fun. Imagine Don Cherry would probably uh, add him to the bunch of jerks I list. Think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it is fun; it's entertaining, and that's uh, that's what you know. The name of the game is right—just to have fun. So, uh, moving
2: forward, uh, what are uh, what are your plans? So uh, yeah, I'm gonna continue my education and go to Conestoga College in the fall and uh, take policing. So that's uh, that's my plans for school, and then for hockey just uh, my my plans is to come back to Mount Forest next year and I think that we're gonna have a pretty strong lineup so if we can uh, win some games next year and and do some things in the playoffs I think it'll uh, it'll be a good year. And down the road are you
0: thinking you might uh, be playing some uh,
2: WOAA senior hockey or? Yeah yeah I haven't thought too far or too far ahead but yeah it's always an option for sure. Take it take it year by year and then uh,
0: fantastic. Well, thanks so much for uh, talking to us, Chad. It's been uh, great having you on here, getting your insights. You've uh, had a lot of great experience to, at all levels of junior hockey, and I, I hope you continue to have all sorts of success and have a lot of fun playing the game.
2: No worries. Thank you so much for having me.
0: We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back right on the other side with a From the Clark guys. Welcome back to Hockey Talk, ladies and gentlemen. We just had a great chat with Chad Phillips, defenseman with the Mount Forest Patriots, who uh, previously played for the Saginaw Spirit and the Listowel Cyclones. And uh, in a moment, we're gonna be talking Stanley Cup playoffs, which kicked off this week. And uh, to give his expert opinion, we have Paul Hillier in studio from our lovely studio here in Hanover, Ontario. And Jamie Bennett is still with us, giving us his expert input as well. Uh, Just a few notes to uh, take care of before we get into the hockey nitty-gritty. We're going to double your pleasure when it comes to hockey talk viewing because we're now going to be on Sunday nights at 10 as well as our regular slot, Fridays at 9 after MWO Sports. So you can catch us Sundays at 10, Fridays at 9 on Whiteman Channel 6. And also we're rolling out our podcast again, um, which you can catch on www bwrhockeytalk.podomatic.com. And uh, that's, you can access that for free. You can uh, either download it or listen online. So uh, you can catch a few of our back episodes and moving forward, all our episodes are gonna be on there. So you can uh, listen to us in your car if you want to on the way to work. Uh, All right, and also want to throw in a quick note. Uh, This past weekend was the OHL priority selection. And we're going to talk a bit more about that in a couple weeks when we have Gray Bruce Highlander's president, uh, Hugh Morrison, on with us. But we did want to take a moment and just uh, acknowledge uh, an interesting move made by the OHL. And it was a classy move uh, made basically in tribute uh, in memoriam to a young fellow by the name of Roy Pajanovsky. Some of you may know this backstory. Uh, Roy Pajanovsky was a goalie for the powerhouse Don Mills flyer team had quite a few players drafted in in this year's OHL draft. Uh, Unfortunately, Roy and his mother Chrissy, uh, his mother and sister Chrissy and Vanna um, were the victims of domestic violence and all of their lives were tragically uh, taken uh, last April. Um, So the OHL just wanted to pay tribute to that young man and his wife, uh, sorry, his mother and sister And uh, so they did a symbolic draft pick, and uh, they chose to draft him, the OHL did, at number 74. I didn't realize the significance of 74, Jamie. You were the one who pointed that out.
1: Yeah, that 74, of course, being his jersey number.
0: Yeah, so uh, I believe it's on screen there now. So yeah, there's no team attached to it. You'll see that uh, where the team would be for the selection, it was just the OHL. Took him in the fourth round at number 74, And that was just acknowledging uh, a young man and his mother and his sister whose lives were tragically taken early. So that was, I thought it was a classy move. That was
3: a great move by the OHL there. The the
0: OHL, yeah. Uh, All right. Shifting from that, we're going to get into From the Clark Guys, which is kind of an interesting one here. I came across this in an old 1936 Palmerston Observer. And if you're from Palmerston, you have to say Palmerston, but I'm not from there so i can say palmerston um at any rate it's on march 26 1936 page four you can catch this on our twitter feed if you want to read it in detail uh you don't have to you know try freeze framing our show and try to read it on your screen you can go to our twitter account read it at your leisure but you can see uh for the benefit of our podcast listeners the headline says plumpest pick uh, sorry plumpest puck chaser ever seen in walkerton and uh it's kind of an interesting story about a junior game back in 1936 that apparently had a, about a 270-pound player playing for New Hamburg. Uh, they don't give his name, but uh, they say his nickname was Tor. And uh, I saw in another piece that apparently he made quite an impression uh, upon the Walkerton players. And to be honest, back in 1936, you know, your hockey players tended to be about 140 pounds. Uh, they often played almost the entire game without much substitution. So they tended to be on the, on the lighter side of the street. And uh, to see a guy roll in that was 270 pounds uh, in a junior game would make quite an impression. Uh, when they wrote this, they were having a fun time writing it, but they actually said he was one of their better players too. So he was uh, huge but also fairly nimble on his feet and a pretty good player. So if you want to read about a 270-pound plump puck chaser in walkerton go ahead and catch that at our twitter account at hockey talk 913 is where you'll find that
3: i mean even in to, even in today's hockey there aren't any i don't know of any 270 pound nhl players i mean I you, know, you know, char is 260. char would be up there uh, yeah. big big buff in, in winnipeg is probably yeah 230 ish 235 maybe two, but 230 2, yeah. 270 is uh is getting up there even for guys in today's NHL. So.
0: Size-wise, yeah. And you know, Chara is spreading it out over, what what is Chara? 6'9". Six, 6'9". Nine. Six, nine. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's and he may not even be that high. He may be 240. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a fun little article. You can catch that uh, on our Twitter feed, at HockeyTalk913. And uh, so that brings us around to this week the playoffs started. Uh, first batch of games were last night. Some interesting stuff shaken out. In a few of those games, uh, so we're going to go uh, around the horn here, giving our thoughts about each series. We're going to start. Well, let's start with uh, the St. Louis-Winnipeg matchup that uh, kicked off last night. So, uh, Paul, do you want first
3: tips on this one? <laughs> sure. And I mean, th- this series is is, is going to be very interesting. Jordan Bennington for St. Louis has has been lights out in the last couple of months. Winnipeg, to me, at the end of the season, was mediocre and. Although they're, they're kind of heavily favored being the team that they are with the firepower that they possess, I think St. Louis is going to give them fits. And I'm not even convinced at this point that uh, Winnipeg is going to be able to handle them at all. But I, I did still pick Winnipeg to take the series. I think it's going to be a long one. And I've got Winnipeg going and taking this series in seven. But this is going to be a series where if Jordan Bennington is on his game, this, this could be a vastly different series.
1: I am going to go on the other side of that and say this series is going to go one of two ways. Either Jordan Bennington continues his dominant play or Winnipeg figures him out and we end up with an Andrew Raycroft type situation where they know what to do and they start being able to put pucks past him. We don't see any sort of inclination that that's going to happen yet, but I'm still going to give the edge to the Blues in seven.
0: Giving the edge to the Blues in seven. uh, And you're saying if Bennington's on his game, and if that last night was any indication, he was fantastic. Yeah. And he was fun to watch. And as someone who had the privilege of getting to watch him play at the Bayshore in Owen Sound with the Owen Sound attack, it's so nice to see him doing so well. Yeah. And you know what? Like, he, he was in uh, the American Hockey League for three years. He wasn't very highly touted, but he bought his time. He kept working, and when he got his opportunity so far, he's been doing great things with it. So that's a fun story. I have to say it was kind of fun seeing Tyler Bozak score the winning goal. So... uh for me, I think the X factor is I think Winnipeg getting Buffalo back recently. I think, I think that's going to settle things down moving forward. And, you know, they have some pretty solid defense there. Tyler Myers, big physical guy, can move the puck well. I think that'll be the difference. Both teams have some good pieces up front. Uh, Winnipeg, I think, maybe has a little more offensive depth too. So over a long series... I think that will win out, so I'm going to say Winnipeg in six. So that brings us to uh, staying over on the western side of things there, Dallas and Nashville.
3: Jamie, you, you you can take the lead on this one.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm torn in this series because Nashville's had really good teams that they've put forward in the past few years, and they haven't got much to show for it. Yes, they made the final against Pittsburgh a few years ago. But beyond that, they don't have many banners to hang up in their arena. Whereas the Dallas Stars are a team that have kind of underachieved for a number of years. And this year they finally snuck into the playoffs in a wild card slot, I believe. And now, I mean, Nashville's not unbeatable. And Ben Bishop's had an excellent season when he's been healthy. Anton Kudobin's been a solid backup when he hasn't been. So. I'm giving this one to Dallas as well. And it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to say Dallas in six.
3: Well, I I was thinking I was going to be the lone wolf on this one because uh, everyone thinking Nashville is going to the conference championship. But this is one of my upsets for this series. I also have chosen Dallas to win this series. Bishop has been lights out. He He had the overall best season that I can remember him having since he was... In, in, in his very best prime years, 10 years ago. And the Dallas Stars are going to be a surprise team. Like you said, Jamie, Nashville can be beaten. They've been a little bit spotty here and there. And uh, I've got Dallas taking it in seven. Matt Zuccarello's got something to prove, too. And he's going to be a factor in that series.
0: It's interesting there. Uh, of course, Nashville had picked up Wayne Simmons, too. Which I think for the playoff run, when things get physical and longer... We know that that guy's a complete gamer, and Ben Bishop has been lights out, but he also left a few games the last few weeks of the regular season, uh, sort of banged up and nicked up there, injury-wise, which might not play out when you're starting to slam together games close together, you know, just one night or two nights apart with a lot of travel. And at the other end of the rink there, you know, don't forget about Pekka Rinne. Eh? <laughs> That guy's done some good things recently too, right? He's, he's a well-known name, yeah. Yeah, well-known name. So I'm actually going to stick with, I think Dallas, you're right, there, there's a lot to be said for them right now, but I still say I think Nashville's going to take this one and six. And so over to, this one will be interesting here, Vegas and the Sharks. And we do have the benefit, we're one game into the playoffs, right? And uh, uh, the Sharks won last night five to two. So, what are or maybe you know for a change maybe I'll kick this one off here. Um, I think Vegas has a lot of good things going. I've said before my sons absolutely love marc Andre Fleury. They have some good pieces there, but I think the Sharks just have too much depth all around. Uh, that defense that has Burns and Vlasic and Carlson, that's pretty formidable. Uh, their goaltending is good enough. It doesn't always have to be the best, but it has to be good enough, and I think they're good enough in that category. And they still have a lot of uh, things to be said up front there, uh, or er, offensive-wise. And they have that leadership in there. So I'm, I'm going to uh, go with the Sharks in five. Interesting.
1: Uh, I'm going to perhaps take a bit of heat for this, but I don't really believe in either of these teams. And that's why I'm going to say, you know... You can't pick a third team. I'm going to say congratulations, (laughs) Calgary, because this is going to be your key to getting into the Western Conference Final. Uh, But out of these two teams, I mean, they're both solid teams. I just don't think they have enough to put together a Stanley Cup run. Eric Carlson, for the excellent player that he is, hasn't fit into San Jose's system the way some expected him to. And the Vegas Golden Knights don't seem to have that magic that they did last season. So I'm not super high on either of these teams, but I'm going to give it to San Jose in six.
3: And I get to be the odd man out on this particular one because I am high on Vegas. They they came through last year, and nobody thought they could ever do it. And uh, they have the Marc-Andre Fleury factor in there. He's been out for a couple of months with injuries, and he's back now, and he is a difference maker in the playoffs. Uh, Carlson, like you said, Jamie hasn't been... The Eric Carlson we knew and loved in Ottawa, or hated in Ottawa, depending on who you're a fan thing, of. Yeah. But uh, Vegas, Vegas just doesn't go away. They're 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 like a nagging cold. They will not go away. They keep coming back, and they keep finding ways to win games. And I've got Vegas taking out the Sharks in six.
0: Oh, nice. So you think they're? Well, I will hand you this. You know, Vegas, their second line, where like Stastny, Patchetti, and Stone, I think they have one of the best second lines. In the playoffs, but when you look at San Jose matching up four lines to four lines, I see Sa- San Jose having more firepower there. But yeah, I will give a nod to Patriotti Stone, and Stastny. That's a pretty fantastic. And those four line.
3: lines for San Jose still have to beat Mark Andre Fleury. It's true. Yeah.
0: All right, so that brings us around to uh, Colorado, who finished uh, first over in the West against the second wild card team, uh, Colorado. Uh, which uh, Adam Oliveira here, our uh, tech producer guy, who makes our show look so great. Uh has the unenviable task of making us three look great each week. Uh, that's a tough he's, job. He's a big Colorado fan, so I know he's really interested to see what we have to say on this one. So, Paul, we're going to roll it over <laughs> to you. <laughs> and sure, then. throw me under the bus <laughs> yeah. first.
3: Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with what I saw for, through the season. Colorado It has a g- great first line, probably one of the best first lines in hockey. But really and truly, that is where it ends. Their, their secondary scoring is just not non-existent for the most part, and I think that's going to be the big factor in this series. Calgary has a lot of depth. Calgary swept the three-game three season series this year against Colorado, and I just can't see Colorado being able to overcome this. Now, I do think they're going to give Calgary a little bit of a fit here and there, um, but it's, at the end of the day, it's not going to be enough. I'm taking Calgary to win this series in six
0: in six. Jamie?
1: Well, I mean, as no surprise given my response to the last series, but I'm also taking Calgary here. The wild card remains goaltending. Mike Smith hasn't played in a number of years in the playoffs. David Riddick has never played in the NHL playoffs. Now, that being said, they both had fairly good regular seasons. So if they can continue to carry that over, it may be a relatively short series. If they can't, Colorado can make a series of it. So I'm giving this to Calgary in five. I think Calgary's going to get a little bit of a walk to the Western Conference final, um, given, again, what I said about the previous series. But uh, that being said, if they're goaltending flops,
0: so might they. Um and you know what once again the goaltending doesn't have to be great if you have a good team in front of them they have to be good enough uh detroit red wings won a lot of cups that way you know chris osgood jimmy hired type thing where you don't have to be the best you just have to be good enough so and i think mike smith uh can be good enough and then with giordano it's just had such a fantastic season but they're not just completely relying on him they have the depth and uh up front they have great depth too so i'm taking colorado and I think I'm going to go Colorado, and because Adam's there, I'll say six instead of five. Wow. <laughs> or Sorry, I, I meant to say Calgary. Oh, I misspoke.
1: <gasps> we're holding them to Colorado yeah, now. Yeah, I know. We're no, holding them to Colorado I don't
0: know. <laughs> It must have been the fear of, like, he's going to put <laughs> gold horn graphics on me. <laughs> I'm taking Calgary and six. Um, that brings us over to the east. And uh, another series that got kicked off last night and ended up in overtime was Islanders and the Pens. Uh, So maybe uh, I'll start on that one. Um, Yeah, this is an interesting one. And I actually, uh, I think Barry Trotz is kind of the X factor in this one. He has that team playing such fantastic defense, which we know is a a, a type of a style of play that does well in the postseason. And uh, their goaltending is good enough. That tandem, they've been using that platoon. And I think they do have enough offense. Uh, Pittsburgh. I often land on their side, I usually don't count them out, but I just don't see them having that special spark they have in recent years. Um, So I'm actually going to take the Islanders, and I think this one might go seven. So I'm going to take the Isles and seven on this one.
1: Uh, This is the the series in the first round for me, Um, and also I think it's going to go seven. I'm going to fall on the other side of the fence and say it's going to be Pittsburgh. Um, because they've simply, they're, they're playoff tested. And while I don't necessarily believe in Matt Murray as much since he's not pushed by Marc-Andre Fleury anymore, uh, I'm going to say that this Islanders team has performed above expectations all season. And I think when it comes to pure skill, Pittsburgh's got the
3: edge. Well, I, and I'm, I'm kind of in between on this too. This is, like I said, the Jamie, you said it perfectly. This is the series of the first round. It's going to be very interesting Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. They've won countless Cups. And, and with the, with uh, Crosby and Malkin, they've won, what, three in the last four years? Two in the last four. Years. Or two in the last four years. But I don't think they have that same grit that they had those years. The Islanders, nobody expected anything from them. I mean, even their own fans didn't expect them to make the playoffs or even have a great season this year. Barry Trotz has done wonders with this team. They've seriously overachieved and I mean whoever would have thought we'd be sitting here saying that Robin Leonard and Thomas Grice won the William Jennings Award this year for the best goaltending in the league. I mean, that's unbelievable. This team is on fire. They've got confidence going in. Um I don't I don't really know that they're gonna be able to be stopped at this point in the series in this series by Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh to me just isn't the team they used to be. Um, and I'm I'm going to give the Islanders the edge in this, and I'm going to say the Islanders are going to take Pittsburgh out in six. Well,
1: I want to just declare I want the Islanders to win this series. I just don't think
0: they're going to win this series. Fair, fair game, fair call. Um, I always like to, you know, amongst other reasons, hockey reasons where I've often thought Pittsburgh would have the edge, the added factor for me is by picking the Penguins, it always irritated uh, – ryan drury (laughs) well that's just a bonus
1: yeah that was always a
0: bonus uh so i did always pick them on their own merits but this year i do have to stick with the islanders i have a feeling that they're taking it uh so that brings us now to uh that bunch of jerks for uh, the (laughs) carolina hurricanes reference there to uh canada's answer to abraham simpson uh don cherry (laughs) railing about you know How dare people try to be flamboyant and entertaining? As you know, the guy's probably wearing a groundhog on his head and, you know, a neon tie with lights on it or something. You know, how dare people try to be entertaining and different? But uh, referring to their post-game celebrations, which a lot of people have had a lot of fun with. So he called them a bunch of jerks, and they've uh, had a lot of fun with that. Do these bunch of jerks... uh take out the Washington Capitals? That's the big question.
3: Well, the the big answer to that is not a chance in the world. <laughs> and, and, and this is one of the few times I've actually agreed with Don Cherry. I mean, I'm not a fan of him. I don't like a lot of what he says, but I agree with him completely on this. And, uh... Do you mean I'm, on the celebrations? I'm thing? sick of the celebrations. Uh, to me, they're a joke. They don't, they don't belong in a professional hockey game. If you want to see a bunch of ten-year-olds doing that, that's fine and dandy. But at the pro level, that's ridiculous. See, just to draw five thousand fans into your stadium.
0: So, but here's the here's the context for me though. Is last year, people were standing up and applauding for the Las Vegas Knights doing those half-hour planned epic, you know, knights and swords flying in and smoke and Dungeons and Dragons and action heroes, they do these half-hour epics before that had nothing to do with the players. Nope. But Vegas
3: Vegas is Vegas. They do everything Vegas. Vegas. It was
0: very much a Vegas thing, but it wasn't a hockey thing, but I'm like, how can we not have a problem with that and then complain about something that's springing up from the players having fun together as a bunch of guys and then sharing it with their crowd. Like I, I don't know. You either have to condemn both, or you got to love both. Well, but,
3: the difference being, yeah. Vegas was a first-year team. Carolina is not a first-year team. If they were a first-year team, yeah, you might be able to at this slide. They're new. Mm-hmm. They're excited. All that kind of stuff. But no, um, I'd love to see Washington sweep them just so I don't have to see another celebration this year.
0: Well, they, they they did say they're they're not doing it during the playoffs. Well, that's yeah. good to hear. But they said I it I, ended I, with the regular I still
3: think Washington skill wise. Without thinking about the antics off the ice, skill-wise, Washington is far superior. And uh, I've got Washington. I'm going to give Carolina one just because I think they might get one in game three or four. But I think Washington in five for this one.
0: Okay. And you know what? I think just based on hockey merits, the capital is going to take it. And I think that will be fantastic when uh, they're lined up against Barry Trotz, their coach from last year. That creates a nice storyline and a little bit of drama. And I kind of hope the Islanders take them. Uh, but that's getting into the next series, so let's wait and see if that happens at all. But yeah, you know, you can't out, can't out Ovi and Holtby still good enough, and they still have Carlson on the blue line. They have enough pieces that I think they do walk through Carolina. I'll give them one like you did, so I say that's going to the Capitals and five.
1: Let's make a clean sweep across the board. Um, I'm going to say Capitals and five as well, so hopefully that makes Ryan Drury happy again <laughs> yeah. after what I said previously. Um, and I mean, that sets up another, in, in my books, another match between the Penguins and the Capitals. But uh, the reason I see it being a five and not four is I think we've seen, especially last night's games, that some of these teams may be underestimating some of their opponents. And they've, some of these teams have already capitalized on that. So I'm saying Carolina's going to get one, but Washington's easily taking the series. And even if this comes down to goaltending, Who's Carolina going to put up against Braden Holby? Curtis McElhaney? Peter Mrazek? Maybe they'll bring up Scott Darling. Yeah.
0: McElhaney's played a lot of good hockey this Well, oh, It's year not though.
1: to yeah. say he hasn't had a good season. He has. Mm-hmm. But he, he's not on
0: the same level as Braden Holby. No. I, I wonder, though, if you put if you put a team like the Capitals in front of a McElhaney. But that's probably a discussion for another day. I think so. Um, now, you guys wanted to uh, leave the Leafs... For, for last is that or sure? Why not? We'll yeah. So all right. So that brings us around to uh, Tampa and Columbus Blue Jackets in our uh, last five minutes of the show here. That leaves us just enough time to get around to the Leafs and wrap that up after we talk about Tampa here. So I think by far and large, uh, Tampa just crushed it in the regular season. No one was anywhere near them. They have a lot of pieces there. Uh, the goaltending, the blue line. They have depth on forward. Now here's something interesting. Even before last night, when uh, Columbus came back from being three goals down to win it four um, three, something that gave me pause to think before the game, I'd gone back to some preseason magazines, the prognostication, and I was like, oh yeah, there there was a bunch of uh, like hockey news and other publications. They actually had picked Columbus to uh, finish first in the regular season, right? There was a lot of thought that they had a lot of really good pieces. And some of them have flown under the radar. They have that great defenseman, uh, Warenka. And uh, Seth Jones, I think, is coming into his own. He's such a good player. Uh, Obviously, the goaltending with Bobrovsky. Pierre-Luc Dubois is coming on as a player. They picked up Zingle, who quietly was a fantastic player for Ottawa. And then, of course, Duchesne. So they have a fair bit of depth there. Um, Do they have enough to take off Tampa Bay? I don't think so, especially after Tampa Bay got stung last night. I think they have enough firepower to make it a really interesting series. So I actually think this one, I'm going to say Tampa Bay is going to win it in seven. I think Columbus can push them that hard. So I'm going to say Tampa in seven.
3: I'm sure the people of Columbus will be happy to hear that. But uh, Columbus, all they did was light a fire under the Tampa Bay Lightning last night. Tampa is far superior to me to any other team in this playoffs at the moment. And they've just lit a fire under the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I think the next four games are going to be absolutely brutal. And Tampa is going to win this series in five.
1: I'm going to flip that, and I'm going to say Columbus in five. Wow. That that is a bold statement, and I'm sticking to it because I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be this year's early 2000s Detroit Red Wings, finishing in first by a mile and then not lasting through the playoffs. And I mean, like they have an excellent team. They're strong at every level, but I'm my um,
0: perhaps the crazy part of my brain says Columbus is going to take this series. All right. So we're going to quickly. We have three minutes left. So we're going to spend those talking about the Leafs-Boston series. First thing we're going to do is see what the fans have thought so far. So we're going to go to a Twitter poll we did on Hockey Talk 913 here. So we'll be coming up on screen for you there in a moment. And we asked how many playoff games are the Leafs going to take from the Boston Bruins? And in the first option of one game or less, 30% voted for that. 17% think they're taking two games. 13% think they're getting three games. And 40% are picking them to win four games, which obviously means they're winning the series. So there you have it on your screen there. So that's not a resounding endorsement but 40% are still back in their Leafs Um, I'm repping the tie here I'm not actually a huge Toronto Maple Leaf fan I could take them or leave them but uh, my god my father-in-law Charlie McDougall passed away uh, this year was a lifelong Leafs fan so I'm wearing that to uh, represent him there and uh, it's his birthday tomorrow so rest in peace Charlie happy birthday uh, I'm giving this to Boston. <laughs>
3: you're wearing the tie to help out, but you're not picking this team to win.
0: Yeah, I'm, you know what? And I think with Gardner back, I think he makes a bit of a difference. They have great goaltending, but I think uh, Boston has too much depth all around, so I'm giving it to Boston in six. Boston's in the Leafs' heads. I said
1: that last week. Still believe it. Boston in five.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. And, and sadly, I mean, you guys know I've been a Leaf fan my entire life. I still hope they're going to win a cup sometime while I'm alive. It hasn't happened yet, but uh, like you said, Jamie, Boston is their nemesis. They just can't seem to get it done, and the way the Leafs played the last month or so of the season, I, I just don't see how they're going to do it. If the Leafs happen to have managed to beat Boston, the week after that happens, you will see me with blue hair. I will dye my hair blue if the Leafs manage to knock off Boston, but Boston is their nemesis, and I just don't see them mentally being prepared for this, and I've got... Sadly, I've got Boston taking the series in five as well.
0: Okay, well, sorry, Frank Mahavelich. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's that's three of us for Boston, and I know there's some huge Leaf fans in this room. Are you a huge Leaf fan too? So there you go. So that's going to bring it around. That's our episode of Hockey Talk for this week. Thanks for uh, sharing it with us. And remember, you can catch us Sunday nights at 10 o'clock now on Channel 6. You can catch our, pod- our podcast at www.bwrhockeytalkatpodomatic.com or just drop us a line at HockeyTalk913 on Twitter. Oh, next week we have a fantastic guest on by phone. Former Anaheim Duck and Toronto Maple Leaf goalie, Justin Pogge. He's still playing pro hockey in Sweden. He's going to be either by Skype or by phone from Los Angeles talking hockey with us next week. We'll see you there.